Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast, a podcast created to champion church multiplication, provide learning, and inspire new disciple-making communities across Canada. Hi there, welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast. My name is Paul Fraser, the host of the Multiply Network Podcast, and so grateful that you took time to tune in again today from wherever you're at and whatever you're doing. We hope you're having a fantastic day. I do feel like a broken record. We have so many great guests that come on this podcast, and today is no different. Pastor Jerry Berenger, who will give a bit of an intro in the podcast itself, but has been planting churches for well over two decades and has got a tremendous amount of expertise. You're going to hear about stuff that's worked, things they've had to change, they've had to hit the reset button on different things, and I love his humility, I love the simplicity, love the wisdom and passion that he has to see Canadians reach for the gospel. The interview is coming up right now. Wow. Do we have a special guest this month for the Multiply Network podcast? Pastor Jerry Berenger is the lead pastor of Champion Life Center and has been planting churches for quite a while. We'll get to him and of all those uh, questions here in a minute. But Pastor Jerry, welcome to the podcast. Hi, uh, Paul. I'm glad to be here. Uh, Thanks for inviting me. Well, it's so good to have you because um, you're quietly leading like a, now I don't know if it's a church planting movement, but there's so many churches that you planted over the years. Um, we just had to get you talking about that, and then later in the podcast, we're going to talk about two recent ones that your church and organization have planted. But why don't we start with what got you so passionate about church planting initially? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, First of all, it's uh, the spiritual part of it, and that is because the passion for God to obey the Great Commission, you know, to make disciples of all nations. Uh, I think everybody has that kind of a passion. But the other thing is about being practical. You know, um, I don't think there's any one church that's big enough to do that. (laughs) So, No, that's true. No, that's true. You know, if the goal is to transform communities with the gospel, it's not possible to do that with one church in one community. Yeah. You know, so my experience, uh, Paul, is that uh, I got saved in Toronto and eventually bought a house and moved to Brampton. So we continued to worship in Toronto for a while as we were winning souls and bringing them to Toronto. Now, eventually, it didn't make sense because we couldn't bring the people to Toronto, right. especially at that time. Um, there was no Highway 410. <laughs> so so okay. it was just taking the Kennedy Road and the 401 and all that. So yeah. eventually, it didn't make sense. So we started a small group, discipled them there, and eventually grew to a church. So with the thinking that people may have the same problem we had. And so I believe that church planting is about accessibility. So McDonald's is an example. There is no mega mcdonald's right yes yeah <laughs> but they, true. they have one in every community yeah <laughs> because uh you can experience mcdonald's in that community so yeah uh, so there are also other practical reasons you know overhead and all that but yeah. that's basically why uh church planting i got into church planting 
they've said stuff like, and I've I can't remember where I read this, but people won't go to a gym unless it's within ten minute drive or five minute drive. I can't remember what it is. So convenience is important. Um, but but even what I like more about it is that you need a missional outpost right. in those communities. You know, we need the lighthouses, we need those uh, places of influence. And uh, but just give us an idea. Like you've been doing, I won't say how many. Well, I'll let you say how many years you're doing it. But how many churches have like have you planted over how many years? Well, um, I've been in the church now or in ministry for 27 years. Um, uh, tw- last 24 was with PAOC, so yeah, uh, or 25, sorry. Uh, so uh, I've been with the ministry 27 years, and I planted and established uh, 14 churches in that period <laughs> okay. of time. So I've been so- a part of planting and establishing uh, churches 14 years, uh, 14 of them. I just want everyone to just kind of take that in. That you've that these churches are still going today, correct? Yes. Um, the um, others we have uh, released. I'll be talking about that a little bit later on right. about the models that we were using. So, how yeah. We, but yeah, they they are. Yeah. So you've planted fourteen churches successfully, and uh, all of them still going today. I mean, that is like when you think about it. Uh, Pastor Jerry, like that is a lot of churches. That's almost like one every two years. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, okay. So now, now you've got the audience curious. You've you've got me curious. I've heard some of your story. What are the models that you used and that you are now using? Okay. Um, well, in the last twenty seven, well, twenty seven years ago, uh, we really didn't have a church model. <laughs> No, that's true. Uh, church plant model to yeah. follow. Okay, so uh, first of all, I didn't come from a uh, uh, Christian home, and you know, so uh, I didn't have the Bible college education, all that. So I really didn't know even what church plant is and all that. So in the beginning, our church planting was more like an institution. Uh, it was structured and governed like an organization, you know. So uh, eventually. Uh, we released the the first five churches and began again with a different model. Um, and so now we follow the book of Acts, you know, when when the disciples actually uh, met in homes, uh, they were in small groups, they grew the church naturally. Uh, and so that's what we started to do. We started to go uh, to, to have small groups and grow the church naturally. And uh, but we, we governed them more like a mother church, uh, the mother church model, you know, so everything started from us. Um, yeah. So we were doing uh, satellite church plans. So others called them uh, maybe campuses or yeah. so. Um, then in the last 10 years, though, uh, we transitioned again to more of a kingdom culture rather than a church culture. Uh, we, we really don't fit into a certain church planting model, <laughs> but, but I can call it maybe uh, a, an apostolic church plant, okay? Okay. Where, where the disciples, um, were, or where the emphasis is where people are being discipled, um, you know, and um, uh, being, re- being able to raise sons in the house uh, and release them into kingdom purpose, you know? So we want to be able to raise sons that can reflect and represent Christ and then, um, release them 
uh, with that kingdom purpose. And so the church is no longer dependent on a mother church. Mm-hmm. Uh, they grow to become independent with um, maintaining a strong relationship that brings accountability uh, and order, you know. So, and then they're equipped to, to give birth to new churches. So we now become uh, more of a resource church than yeah. a mother church. You know? So we've transitioned. So we kept changing, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, over the years. Yeah. So there's a couple of, you know, I've got a thousand questions right now. Uh, <laughs> even though I've heard your presentations, I've, I just, as you talk about it again, I, I just think that's a great model that, that anybody can do. Start that small group, but but you have to be evangelistic right off the bat. Mm-hmm. You grow the church through new believers. Yeah, right. Sorry. That's right. is that correct? Like the you, you teach that small group, you've got to grow the church through new believers. Is that correct? That's right. That's that's how you are able to do that, and you got to reach them in that community. <laughs> right. Yeah, and you got to reach them in that community. And then they then they kind of uh, get into a bigger group gathering. Then mm-hmm. at some point they get established and become mm-hmm. their own kind of right. church, relationally right. connected back to the main, you know, the mother church. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's a nice progression for pastors out there thinking, you know, uh, and maybe they don't. Maybe they want to skip the small group step. Maybe they want to send people. But this right. idea of having a multi-site that moves to its kind of its own church, I think, is a great mm-hmm. model. Uh, yeah. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and what success you found there? Well, um, I, I'm not sure that we're successful yet, but uh, and I'm not sure if it's really working so well yet. But um, we've got a lot of challenges that we face uh, every step of the way. Yeah. So I think we've still got a long way to go. We're still learning, still growing. But I think um, there are things that we are doing that I think that is working, that we can celebrate. And uh, so let me just share a few of those. First of all, that uh, we're, we're kind of open to change because it keeps changing. Yeah. Methods change to adapt to our changing culture. That's a good word. So I think that's what we learned is that over the years, we can't have just a model and say, this is the way it's supposed to be done. We kept changing as we saw the need. We started changing methods. We started changing structures. We, we kept changing and we're still changing. Um, so that's why over the last um, you know 27 years, we've seen so many changes in yeah. the way we were planting and uh, the church. So, and the other thing is that we, we empower leaders. So I think that's what we're doing well is that we're empowering the leaders. We raise more pastors now. We have more preachers. We have more leaders to make their own decisions to reach their community. So rather than all depending on me, right, um, in that kind of a model, uh, they're now uh, doing their own thing, uh, reaching their community. They know what's best for their community. Uh, they know the messages right. that they have to bring to their community rather than maybe just listening to uh, to me preach on Sunday to a multicast or whatever. So um, we're, we're able to empower more leaders, and I think that that works well for us. And the other thing is that we have a shared vision. So yep. that's working for us because the burden is not only on us, but every church is thinking yep. multiplication. Yep. You know? So they have a burden also 
to multiply. They see that there's a model that can be done and we made it simple enough that, um, you know, that it can be done by anyone. And so um, now people want to do that. And so I think that's working and that's where I think we've been successful at trying to do. And of course we're learning some more. (laughs) Well, you're so humble about it too, because I mean, there's churches out there that are just going, I need a leadership pipeline. We want to be a multiplying church and we can't find leaders, but you're raising them up with within your church. Right. And yeah. you know, one of the things that that just as a point of clarification, when you use the word sons, you're talking about like both men and women, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you have lots of leaders uh, right. that yeah. that are church planting, some powerful women of God that yeah, that's right. That yeah. are leading and uh, and speaking and doing all the things. So. Uh, that's, right. that's another thing too that we could probably do a bit better at, and mm-hmm. uh, is is just really calling forth uh, some of these women in our church that just have the call to lead. Um, that's right. So I love the leadership pipeline. I love your alignment. Uh, you're raising up leaders in the house. My question, I, I just thought about this: why why not just stay in houses? Like and not be a, like you know what I'm saying. Like, eventually you end up being on Sunday morning gatherings. But I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just saying, just from from your standpoint, you're starting in houses. You're seeing some success. Why not just kind of multiply the houses? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe talk because to because I yeah sorry I think because um, there is a dynamic in in uh, being able to worship together as a congregation. So that brings unity and that we're able to um, worship God together and be able to um, uh, see that same vision. Because when you have too many, just even our satellites, having different churches, it's already hard to to kind of bring that vision together. So in the same way, uh, if we look at the local church, if you got all these life groups or small groups, um, they need to come together so that you're able to yeah. uh, share the vision together. Uh, you can communicate uh, and bring unity. So, um, and, and it does have a biblical uh, example. They met in homes and they met in temple courts. Mm-hmm. So, so they had the small group and then the large gathering. So I think that's important as well. Yeah, that's a great answer because I... I... I think bigger churches are trying to get small and smaller churches are trying to get big and they're both good. You know, the leader, <laughs> the leader, the bigger churches have to get the small groups going and the, the smaller churches are going, yeah, we got small groups, but we want to reach the community, you know, and on and on. It's just the, yeah, a great, okay. great thought there about, about why it's more, here's what I'm discovering. It's more both and. That's right. You know, it's not and, either and, or. And, and I think that when you also, that's why there's an emphasis that we need to grow the church because um, you can't make an impact in a community when you're very small. You need to also grow the church so that yeah. you will be able to uh, make a, a difference in that community. Certainly. You can't so, be too fragmented. In that no, community. you can't be fragmented. No, I like the alignment piece. That's a That's a yeah. big part. So uh, why is church planting working so well in your context? You explained some things, but why don't you talk to us a little bit about the burden? Because I think that's, I think that's a, that's, you know, you just, you, you mentioned it, but that, that word stood out to me 
that all of your churches have the same vision and the same burden. How did you yeah. get them to feel that come alongside? Probably not easily, but yeah, yeah. I think it's it's uh, very uh, very difficult. Um, that's why it's it's very important. I think to transition the church to more of the culture of the church, because it's just hard to um, to just uh, teach that. And, and, you know, you, you need to really get involved with the lives of all the people in the congregation. So it takes a while to get that culture of uh, thinking this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you need to be really focused. And so um, I, and, and I always say this, that you can't produce a son or a daughter uh, from the pulpit. You can't do that. It, mm-hmm. you, you got to walk with them. Mm-hmm. So it takes time. Uh, but, you know, when we're able to do this, so we had to first change the culture of the church where people are beginning to now align themselves to what is the kingdom, not just, you know, a gathering, right. you know. Uh, so, you know, we could just be an audience or we can be the army of God. So that's a big difference in how the church looks like. Yeah. So when people start to see themselves as, hey, I, I am a child of God, I have a purpose, you know, then collectively they start to think this way now. So it's, it's, it, it grows over time. So if you don't start now, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's going to be a repeat of the same thing. So I think we had to transition the church yeah. to start thinking kingdom. Yeah. Uh, you and you have a pretty clear discipleship progress, or like process, don't you? Like, right. like yeah. for all of your leaders, if you're doing leadership in any capacity, there's a pretty clear, yeah. how important yeah. has that been for you guys? Yeah. Well, because we always lack leaders, right? And I think, you know, you talk about leadership pipeline. Yeah. We, we can't produce enough. Yeah. And so we always have to be thinking about how do we raise up leaders? And so uh, one of the things that we've done that um, I've, I've seen works is that we created a, uh, aside from the other ministry uh, leadership training that we do, we did a full-time one-month uh, leadership school yeah and that was just to train people from 18 to 35 who are still fresh uh, they're now in leadership and to give them a full-time um, understanding so they had to uh, to be there full-time so we can really pour into them because we really needed them to be able to rise up so so that's very important so yeah. we we make sure that we do that yeah and I just love the fact that you're just you, you guys have that you know that leadership pathway for them. That, that they, you know, here's the clear steps moving forward. Um, but so one of the things that we're focusing on in September for the Multiply Network is some of the newer churches that mm-hmm. have been started. And you have a couple in your kind of network, uh, yeah. in your church. Why don't you talk a little bit about those two? Because I was quite excited when uh, when I was chatting you, with you recently and you and you told me about them. And so why don't you, why don't you tell our group uh, what's happening in your church? Yeah, okay. Well, I'm excited about them because, um, well, the first one uh, is our Durham Church Plant. Um, this is led by Franco and Elena Beljeza. And this is in Oshawa, actually, about one hour, for those listeners that we have, is one hour east of Toronto. Um, it was started um, in July last year. Okay, so it celebrated one year anniversary this, this July. But this is how it started. This is what's exciting. Yeah. We planted, we in Brampton, our church in Brampton, planted a church in Toronto. Then Toronto 
planted the church in Scarborough by releasing about 30 people. Now, that Scarborough church grew to about 200. And so then they released about 30 and planted Durham. <laughs> okay. That's so, so great. <laughs> so, but here's how it worked. It started one year before that, when they were already reaching out to that community. All right. So there were already people coming from there. They were doing uh, small groups there. So wow. um, after they've been doing that, they were bringing them to Scarborough. So now it became natural to say, hey, you don't need to come here. We can just start it over there. So get trained. So now they average about 40 to 50 people and are actively reaching that community. They're only a one-year-old church. So we have a strong base now of about 40, 50 regular people who are sons and daughters in the house. So they're wow. now being actively reaching that community over there. So And that's, that's four, four generations. <laughs> yeah. Brampton right. to Toronto, Toronto yeah. to Scarborough, Scarborough. Scarborough to Durham. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's so great. So it's not dependent on us, right? Yeah. So it was the other churches. No, now, I, I hope that's encouraging some people out there. <laughs> that are thinking multi-site and thinking maybe you're a campus pastor, or multi-site pastor, and you're thinking, is it possible to grow a multi-site? Well, we've just heard it here first, folks, yeah. that it is possible. Obviously, we know it is, but it's just great to have a real-life story in our group. Yeah. yeah. And well, so the other the, one, or go ahead. The, the, the newest one yeah. is the one in Exeter. Uh, this is uh, one hour west of London, Ontario. So it was launched only July this year. <laughs> so um, we, we planted the London church. So again, Brampton planted the London church. Then London planted the Exeter. Uh, okay. This is actually led by Joseph and Loli Lozano. Okay. Again, it started a year before that because a couple started a small group uh, in that area and, you know, started uh, counseling them, winning souls, and that grew and came. And, and they continued to come to the London church. So they were bringing them to London, and they were doing the small group over there. So eventually, they started worshiping in Exeter. So they now average about 50 to 60 people. Wow. <laughs> so we launched it in, in, uh, in July this year. So they're only a couple months old. Uh, but they're doing very well. But you know what is more exciting, uh, Paul, about these two churches is that they were not led by pastors or planted by pastors. <laughs> they were planted and led by leaders in the church. Okay? Come so on. They oversee 50 to 100 people, and they are not full-time. Okay? Wow. Our only involvement is training and coaching and providing resources, but... These people, um, you know, I, I, I really uh, admire these people because they're working, they have their job, but they have to counsel, raise up leaders. They have to, you know, develop the small groups. Uh, like this one, just the recent one, we have uh, um, the exit year. They have, they have about five or six small group leaders and they're running. Them. <laughs> so. Uh, we don't call them uh, the traditional, you know, yep. quote unquote pastor yet, but yep. they're pastoring the church. Um, uh, but they're not full time. Um, and uh, that's what's exciting to me because we've now broken through yep. uh, to see that now we can do church multiplication with 
leaders that they don't need to be a pastor to get started. Yeah, so. and what in what you mean in the formal way with formal education, yeah, but many right. of them probably have the pastoral gift. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So with that, they know that hey, you know, they they didn't have a Bible college training and yeah. uh you know, they were not ordained yet, but uh they cared for people. Mm-hmm. Uh they they you know, uh, people see them as, you know, people that they've been with Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so they, they minister to them and counsel them and grow them, win them to the Lord. And so now, uh, so that group. Um, and eventually that kind of thing eventually transitions. Some people become the pastor of that church yeah. and sometimes some other person is raised up. Okay. Uh, in our Scarborough, for example, um, w- that was started by by uh, uh a person from our Toronto that time. And then eventually somebody raised up from within became yeah. the pastor of that church. Okay. So, um, so it could be different when your gift is different. So. Is there a certain number that you guys have in your head that go, ah, once you hit the 150, once you hit 250, you know, like, or, or is it just really dependent on the leadership team at that site? I think, Primarily, it's dependent on the leadership, but there are certain um, guidelines. I think that when um, when you reach about 200, you know, it's about 150 to 200, um, I think you need to be thinking already about um, planting. Yeah. Um, because at that time, you have enough, hopefully you've been raising up leaders during that time. You have enough people who are saying, hey, I can do something. You know, mm-hmm. so you can release them and uh, get them uh, already to develop uh, a, another church. Now, uh, but prior to that, I think that what's important in a church growth is the the, the up to two hundred. You got to build momentum, and yeah. you gotta you gotta be winning souls, winning souls. Yeah. Sometimes we get caught up with so many programs before yeah. uh, anything, and so we need to grow the church up to two hundred. First, before we have all of these other programs and then, you know, plant the church. Uh, yeah. so I think that it depends also on the leadership, of course. Yeah. And the culture, you know, the yeah. culture you've created, yeah. you know, yeah. just some of the stuff you're saying is just so rich. I told you this before. You should write a book. Like, I know you keep laughing every time. Every time we meet, I tell you, you should write a book. You should write this stuff down. Because I, it seems it seems simple, but it is so profound that you've built a culture from and 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 for those who are in the journey in existing church ministry, uh, your church for a while didn't have this kingdom culture. You know, for a time it did. You had to work at it. You had to shift. Right. You had to let people move on. You said your first yeah. five churches you needed to yeah. because yeah. it would have been too hard to shift the. You know, the that's culture, right. you'd had to kind of yeah. hit a reset. And that's, that's right. A, that's, that's right. A, the reset. That's what. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty courageous move, in my opinion, to just <laughs> yeah. kind of send, you know, hey, we bless you. We're going to send that's you right. off well, but then we're going to reset because we need a new culture because we need to multiply and we can't multiply. That's, right. that's a courageous leadership step. And I honor you for that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So write a book, would you? Anyways, <laughs> I just, you, yeah, you know, every time we see each other, I'll probably say something. Oh, boy. So, what would you say to some of our leaders, senior pastors out there thinking about church multiplication? How could you encourage them? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's in your heart today to speak to some of those leaders out there? Well, 
um, I would tell them what I would tell all of our uh, churches, our pastors in our churches, and also to other pastors whenever I see them in, in conferences, whatever. Uh, I would say that first to seriously think about what they're doing in light of the Great Commission. You know, and because I had to confront myself in what I'm doing uh, when I'm thinking about the Great Commission and I'm saying, am I doing what, you know, I need to be doing? So, so the question is, are we building an audience in our community or are we building an army to reach the nation? You know, so uh, we need to grow our local church, but we also need to reach the nation. Yeah. Uh, so, so I believe that church multiplication is still the best way to disciple a nation. Yeah. You know, we need to give access to the gospel in other communities, not only through technology, but a live worship where people can get involved. They, you know, they can be a part of, they can serve, yeah. you know, so that can only be done through multiplicating uh, multiplication of churches. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, the other thing that I would say is that be open to change. Right. Um, you know, if what we're doing is not seeing the results uh, that we want, then let's change it. You mm-hmm. know, um, nobody says we can't change. We we are always teaching our congregation to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then we as leaders and pastors, sometimes we have to change our methods and things that we've been doing before. I always have, you know, what keeps me in check, uh, Paul, is that, I have children now who've grown in the ministry, and they're part of the of the church. They're one of my daughters is a pastor in the church, and one is director in worship. So I always ask them, you know, what do we need to change? What are the things that we need to do as we are reaching out to this culture, this communities? So uh, be open to change, right? Yeah. Um, to see that maybe some methods need to be changing so that we could continue to fulfill the Great Commission, mm-hmm. and then. Finally, think about our legacy, you know, yeah. uh, what are we leaving behind? Um, you know, I think about this, Paul, even if we don't finish what we started, but it would be great if we could position our church for multiplication. Yeah. Right? I mean, if, if you don't start, right, yeah. some of us are already five years behind because the next, the youth are already there, the young adults are already next in line. Mm-hmm. So we need to start really positioning the church already for multiplication, already uh, talking to them about what we see the church to be. So we got to do it now. Uh, if we don't do it now, it's another year late, right? So yeah. uh, very important that we think about that legacy. Um, yeah. Some of us have been thinking about it for a long time. So don't overanalyze the process. Just get started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we analyze it so much and yeah. we never get started. Right? Yeah. So, uh, I saw a, a quote one time. It said, "The hardest thing to do is to get started." Yep. You know, so it's true. Um, just get started. If you're thinking of doing a church multiplication, just get started in doing something about it. You yep. know, start small with something. Right. But I think we need to do that. Right. You know? So. And that kind of leads into the next question a little bit because I like to give, uh, you know, our 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 uh, podcast uh, guests the opportunity. You know, obviously, you know, speaking from a Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada perspective, but I know that there's other people that have come up and told me and said, "Hey, I'm listening to your your podcast. We're from another fellowship or whatever." Um, but but our leaders in that fellowship, and so what would you say, you know, to our group and to other tribes out there that are have a heart to multiply, 
from somebody who I think is doing it at a local church level, what would you say to us as a group nationally? What are some of the mm-hmm. things that we need to do to get our movement moving forward with church multiplication? Well, first, I would say that um, do more of what we are doing now in church multiplication. Yeah, I think that you're doing a great job. You know, what you're doing is a great idea that um, somehow some people thought about that to put that in place and put you there. And uh, we should continue uh, to do that and develop it more because it's a great resource mm-hmm. for people uh, out there to thinking about church multiplication and somebody has to champion that, you know, and yeah. you're doing a good job doing that. So I think that um, as a movement, that's a great thing. So we you need to do, keep doing that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I'll say is, um, I'll say this out of respect and, and love for, for the fellowship um, because, you know, I was credentialed in 1994. So that's with PAOC, 25 years yeah. I've been with the PAOC. So what I'm saying is out of my experience yeah. with the fellowship. Yeah. Um, uh, so here's the thing I, I would say. We need to revisit our governance regarding church planting. Okay. Meaning, how do we govern uh, church plants? You know, so uh, I think that the districts are still operating the way it was when the fellowship started. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel it's still very much territorial, which can be an obstacle to church planting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and because of the system, sometimes it discourages a church planting a church planter from planting Mm -hmm. in another district or another province, you know, whatever. Um, So if we're coming from uh, different fellowships, that that becomes a hindrance. So, um, But the reality is we live in a global economy and society. You know, an entrepreneur can start a business in Toronto and be instantly global (laughs) and have customers around the world. That's true. You know, so there are no longer borders, especially with social media, right? Um, we need the borders and structure to bring order, mm-hmm. but accountability is stronger through relationships rather than structure. You know, so uh, if we keep just enforcing structure, we can suppress creativity and expansion, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that you're not, you know, much of what you're talking about. I'm feeling, you know, that that there has to be some shifts, and I know our leadership is talking about that. I know other groups at uh, their leadership levels are saying, okay, so what are the changes that need to be made at a governance level? Uh, you know, another one would be credentialing. Uh, you wow. know, how do we credential the pastors that that you're raising up to plant these churches? Like, right. you know, it's, how do we, how, where's the credential? Is there a new track? Do we, mm-hmm. do we create some? So these are, these are, these are good Good discussion points, I think, and I don't know if there's an easy answer, and I don't think you're suggesting there is, but <laughs> yeah. but there has to be, there needs to be some changes moving forward to help encourage uh, church yeah, multiplication. Right. So, yeah. Any other comments? Yeah, and, yeah, and, and you see, I I had a conversation regarding a church plant in in a province before, and I was told that there's no way a person in Brampton can oversee a church in this province. And they say, that's why we have districts. Yeah. <laughs> and so my answer was, well, Apostle Paul did it without email, Facebook, Zoom, WhatsApp, or whatever, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, he governed the church in Galatia, Ephesus, Corinth. I mean, so, <laughs> and they had to, to, to ride a boat and deliver a mail, you know. So, 
a letter. So I, I'm thinking yeah. uh, with the technology that we have, how can we not oversee yeah. these charges? How can we not develop? So I think that we need to have partnerships in districts yep. uh, that that allow church planters to be able to uh, continue doing that. And I think that that, that is the, the way to move forward. You know, I, I'm 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 blessed to hear our fellowship have this 2020 vision yeah. um, of you know let's do this and you know church plant all across the yeah. country. Yeah. Now the implementation is where where we're going to really uh, need to do that, and I think we need to be thinking what do we need to do, and I think we need to start doing something about it so that people are encouraged rather than discouraged in in doing because some people. Their connections are maybe in another province, right. uh, you know, and not just another neighbor, but maybe they have another connection somewhere else, and they could easily plant a church somewhere else. Yeah. So if we have the partnerships, it'll be great. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you that that is something that I'm looking for. I think our Assemblies of God uh, friends in the U.S. have mm-hmm. a model that um, that I think it is working. That, that we're trying to figure out, okay, so how can we overlay that with our current, um, yeah. which I think would answer some of your questions. But yeah, it's not, a, it's not as easy as, as you would think or, or as straightforward. <laughs> and, and I know you've, you've run into those things. Those are really good thoughts, Jerry. Thanks, for so, thanks so much for, uh, for doing that. We like to end our podcast usually uh, with, a, with some rapid fire questions, if you don't mind. So they're okay. questions I don't send ahead. Some of them I do, as yeah. you know, uh, but maybe, maybe we'll start off with this one. Uh, what's a good book you've read recently? Oh, uh, this book, um, is called, uh, developing leaders. Um, no, is it developing leaders? No, it's, it's, um, ah, the title of this, this this book that I was reading is more. Um, it's written by um, ah. I got this uh, mental okay. block. Okay, right we'll now. come back to it. No, 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 we'll come back to it because that that book is really about developing leaders, and he is he, from every nation, um, and he wrote this book, and I'm I'm reading about it because. Well, I just started reading about it actually yeah. because it was um, uh, in the line of developing and looking because there's always a shortage. I forgot the the title, uh, but it was about that and was uh, developing leader looking for how do you develop leaders in today? You know, so it, we're always short of it. So. Yeah, no, that's good leadership. So you're reading stuff on leadership development right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you listen to podcasts? Yeah, yeah. Who do you listen to? I listen to Craig uh, Groeschel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, some of these leadership podcasts. It, it's um, you know, I, I get a lot from from that. Yeah, if you could have a favorite supper, you know, you someone's taking you out for dinner. Where are they taking you out? What do you? What's your favorite meal? Um, ribs. You like ribs? Uh, <laughs> nice. <yeah. laughs> Not lobster, so, hey. Uh, well, yeah, I like, I like lobster, but I think I could, I have a lot. I, I, yeah. I like a lot, but I, I like ribs too. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Uh, do you watch any sports? Yeah. And what's your, um, what's your favorite sport and team? My favorite sport is golf, Ooh. but, 
I don't get to watch much of golf. Um, you yeah. know, um, I, I watch basketball at, yeah. at times when, when it's championship and yeah, of course. So I don't get much time to watch these things. Yeah. Uh, but, but you're a fan. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll end with this last question. Um, what are younger leaders teaching you these days? They're, I think they're teaching me more about um, how to listen. Hmm. You know, um, because they have some things to say, and and a lot of the things that they say are very valuable, uh, especially in the things that we're doing in the church. And so um, I find that uh, when I'm talking with these uh, younger leaders, they're they're teaching me that hey to listen more because because we we tend to talk more and tell more, but uh, we need to listen more to them of what what they're saying about what is the generation that's in front of us right now. That's so. that is a great thought to end on. thanks so much uh pastor jerry man you just you just have enriched me again today and i know the listeners with with experience you're not talking about theory you're living it and so uh keep going and we're believing for our best days ahead in canada amen amen come on thank you paul uh for having me and uh to all the listeners uh god bless you all yeah thanks so much 